You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. There is one final discussion I'd like to have with you tonight before we conclude and then we'll continue in the following weeks to see what happened right before Badr and at Badr. This is a very sensitive discussion. The verse that I recited in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says they ask about the sacred month and yes killing is a big deal however what the pagans have been doing is a greater deal and Allah basically defended those Muslims. The end of this verse or the second part of this verse talks about Al-Irtidad. What's Irtidad in English? Apostasy. The one who leaves the religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the Quraysh. Allah says the Quraysh will continue to fight you until you stop believing in Islam. Then the Quran mentions the apostate. Allah says the one who becomes an apostate and leaves religion, all their good deeds will be made into dust, basically will have no value and Allah will punish them in hell on the day of judgment. Now a lot of people because the verse talks about apostasy, bring the discussion of apostasy in Islam. You will find one of the biggest misconceptions that non-Muslims have or the biggest attacks that they have on Muslims is that your religion does not believe in freedom of expression, the proof if someone becomes Muslim and then they want to leave Islam, you kill them. According to Islamic law, the murtad, the apostate is killed. So how do we deal with the concept of apostasy? You will find that scholars today are divided into two camps. One smaller camp and one larger camp. As for the smaller camp of scholars, you'll find some of them are modern day scholars and intellectuals. They deny that the punishment for the apostate is to be killed. And this is their proof. Their argument is first of all the Quran doesn't mention that. See the verse that I read for you, Allah says yeah they'll be punished but where? The one who becomes an apostate, what happens to them? Allah says their punishment is hell. Hell in this world or the day of judgment? Day of judgment. So they're like, there are three verses in the Quran that mention apostasy, but none of them say go kill the apostate. Yes, Allah will punish them. If they die with disbelief, Allah will punish them on the day of judgment. So from a Quranic perspective, while the Quran mentions the apostate, but it doesn't mention to kill him. So if I have verses in the Quran that are clearly mentioning the apostate and none of them say kill them, then that means the Quranic perspective is not to kill the apostate. That's their first argument. The second argument, they're like look at the seerah of the Prophet We don't see a single instance of him killing an apostate. For example, one man in the Prophet's life, he became an apostate. 
And then he repented. The Prophet didn't say go kill him when he became an apostate. The Prophet just left him alone. Another man or a few other people, they became apostates and they went to Mecca. The Prophet never chased them. The Prophet never sent a Muslim and said go after them and kill them. So when you look at the Quran and the seerah of the Prophet, we don't have one instance of a verse in the Quran or the Prophet killing an apostate. So where did you bring this you know, idea that the apostate is killed? Yes, say it. That brings up a point, a modern day point. With Salman Rushdie, yes. We'll get to the second camp. We'll get, we'll get to that. Remember, this is the smaller camp of scholars. The bigger camp, most scholars throughout history, their opinion and their fatwa is that the apostate under certain conditions is killed. Yes, we don't deny that. This is, go any fatwa book right now, any book of rulings, go under apostasy. There are categories of apostates who are killed according to Islamic law. And this is the majority of scholars. How do we make sense of that? Because this is a very, very sensitive discussion. I'll mention the following points to address this misconception. First of all, is Islam assuming that it does command to kill the apostate in certain circumstances? Is it the only religion or the first religion that commands for the apostate to be killed? What about previous Abrahamic religions? Judaism. What does Judaism say about apostasy? I want to share with you this verse in the Old Testament, in the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 13 verses 6 to 9. Anytime you see a non-Muslim attacking you about apostasy, please memorize this verse. I'll read with you the translation of the New American Standard Bible. These are the words of the Bible. Remember the Quran itself doesn't mention to kill the apostate. But listen to what the Bible says. If your brother, your mother's son, or your son or daughter, or the wife you cherish, or, you f or your friend who is as your own soul, your BFF in other words, entice you secretly saying, let us go and serve other gods, right? Let's not worship the one God, let's go to idolatry. You shall not yield to him or listen to him. Okay, that's fine. And your eye shall not pity him, nor shall you spare or conceal him, but you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death and afterwards the hand of all people. <coughs> so what's the ruling on the apostate in the Bible? Death. The apostate is killed. Deuteronomy chapter 13 verses 6 to 9. Yes brother, someone said something. So this is the ruling in the Bible. Let me share with you a second ruling. Leviticus chapter 24 verse 16. I'll read to you the King James Version. And he that blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death. And all the congregation shall certainly stone him, as well as the stranger, as he that is born in the land, when he blasphemes the name of the Lord, shall be put to death. So in Judaism, if one of the Jews commits blasphemy, and leaves the religion, the entire congregation is supposed to come and do what? Stone him to death. 
This is the Bible. This is the Bible. And there are a number of other verses, but these are two sufficient verses. So whenever you have a discussion, always bring this up. Tell them, wait a minute, before you start attacking attack Islam, this is in your Bible. This is in the Bible. The Bible says the apostate is to be killed. Now let's have the discussion on apostasy in the religion of Islam. The Quran does not mention that the apostate should be killed. The hadith mentions it. Sunni hadith, for example, there's a Sunni hadith that Sunnis have accepted from the Prophet The one who changes his religion, kill him. We also have hadith in our Shia school of thought attributed to the Ahlul Bayt that prescribed the death penalty to the one who is an apostate and leaves their religion. How do we understand this in light of what we know about Islam to be a religion of peace? Islam is a religion of, of justice. This is how I would approach it, especially if today someone comes to you and you know says something about apostasy, please be familiar with these ideas so you can respond properly. The Constitution of the United States in one of its rulings, it says that the penalty, the punishment for treason can be execution and capital punishment. And in fact, in the 1960s, the US executed the Rosenbergs for treason. Let me ask you a question. What is treason? Going against the country? So why do you get killed? So what if I go against the country? Why do I get killed? Okay, I'm a bad person, leave me alone. Because you put the country at risk, what else? I, well, I always thought treason was going against something divine, so at the time... We're talking about constitution here, politically, in the US. Let's not look at the religious aspect. Like in the US, when the constitution says that um, death penalty could be an appropriate punishment for treason. What is treason and why is it that the one who commits treason can deserve death? Why? Remember, we're not talking about Bible Quran. This is US Constitution. Until today, by the way, this stands. If the US today wants to seek the death penalty for someone who committed treason, they have the absolute right because it's in the Constitution. It's fully constitutional. Was the US Constitution written based on Christianity? Yes, it was inspired by Christianity and even other divine religions. Thomas Jefferson had his own copy of the Quran. Yeah. Yes, sister. Why is treason punished by death in the US? Why? It could be like you could conspire. If you are um, like charged of treason, you are like conspiring with others and trying to harm your own society. You could conspire with others, harm your own society, harm your country. See these ideas here? Cause conflicts and try to deviate others to, I mean, become a bad example for others. Looking at you, even others could... And then you encourage others to also go and conspire and weaken the national security of the country. So if, yes? So having a death penalty like that deters people from committing treason and undermining the security of your country. That's why if today, if today an American works for the CIA, he goes to the CIA and says, you know what, I don't want to work for, the, for you anymore. Tomorrow I want to go and work for the Russian intelligence. 
Or I want to go in Iran and work for their intelligence. Will the US allow you to do that? Why not? Freedom, free country, it's a free country, freedom of expression. The constitution guarantees for me freedom of expression. I can do whatever I want and say whatever I want. But will the US allow you to do that? No way. You'll get persecuted, you'll get imprisoned, and in fact, if you do actually go do that, they could seek the death penalty for you. They've done it before, they could do it again. Remember in the 1960s, the Rosenbergs were executed because they committed treason with the Russians, with the Soviets at the time. So politically, we see that even a country like the US believes in this concept, that when you commit treason, you could get executed. Now let's take this to the religious sphere. There are types of treason. You have political treason, you go and conspire with a foreign government. And then you have what? You have religious and ideological treason. This is what we call apostasy. If Islam left the room wide open for apostasy, this would have weakened especially the early Muslim community to the point where many Muslims would have lost their faith. Let me tell you how. See, Islam says, you can't force anyone to convert. You can't force. Islam does not believe in forced conversions. But if you convert, remember, there are consequences. If you convert, don't think that you can tomorrow denounce the religion and leave. No one is forcing you to convert, but if you want to convert, you better stick to it. Why? One of the tactics of the pagans was the following, and the Quran actually makes a reference to this in some of the verses. Some of the Jews and the pagans, they're like, you know what? One way to shaken the belief of the Muslims is this tactic. Tomorrow, 1,000 of us, let's go to Medina and say, we became Muslim. We heard what the Prophet says, what the Quran says, we believe in this religion. And the Muslims are like, wow, look at this victory. 1,000 Jews and pagans have become Muslim. Let's stay there a few days and then a week later, all of us, the 1,000, let's leave the religion of Islam say, you know what? This religion is bogus. This is a fake religion and now we're all condemning it and leaving it. Imagine a scenario like that for those early Muslims who had just become Muslim. They hadn't like fully absorbed Islamic teachings. Such a tactic, what would it have done to those early Muslims? It would demoralize them. Because see, sometimes when you feel so strongly about something, when you see a thousand people suddenly leaving their religion, like, let me give you this example. If tomorrow you wake up to the news, and you hear that 10,000 Dearborn residents are leaving the city. Will you feel safe tomorrow? Staying in Dearborn? Why not? There's no evidence, nothing happened. It's just life as usual, business as usual. But you hear the most 10,000 panicking Americans are leaving Dearborn. Or let's say you live somewhere else, they're leaving that city. What will that do to you that day? Steering the security. Yeah, they will take away your security, such a big move. Now imagine at the religious level, if 1,000 pagans and Jews, within a week they would have left Islam. Muslims would have started doubting their faith. You know, is, is there something really prob problematic with Islam? Why did they leave? And that was an excellent way for the enemies of Islam to demoralize Muslims and destroy the religion of Islam. 
What did Islam say? According to, of course, the opinion of the majority scholars. What did Islam say? No, no, no. You have, you have no right to do that. Nobody is forced to become Muslim. You'd like to become Muslim, you're welcome. You don't, stay there. Fine. Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah is very clear. There is no compulsion in religion. But if you become Muslim, you stay as a Muslim. So you don't use this as a tactic to undermine the religion of Islam. So this is a type of treason that people could have you know, uh, done, uh, they could have committed to undermine the security of Muslims. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is very serious about our religion. Allah is sending His final prophet. He's giving you the path to guidance. And if someone is committing treason, that's unacceptable. So these are some thoughts on apostasy. Any objections that you have? Any follow-up ideas? Yes. Execution as punishment in earlier days of Islam, but now that Islam is well established, why is it still the same punishment? By the way, that's a very good point. What about today? If today somebody leaves religion, you go and, and, and harm that person? No. Remember, this has conditions. We're talking about a just Islamic state that's about to be undermined by the enemies, you have a just leader like the Prophet even though the Prophet he himself never killed anyone for apostasy according to what we see in the seerah, but in that government, okay, historically it made sense, but in today's world, you can't go and kill someone for apostasy because there are conditions. First of all, if you live in a non-Muslim country, a lot of these don't even apply. A lot of the punishment Islam prescribes are to be implemented in a just, healthy Islamic system. Not to be, you know, implemented anywhere that you go. So first of all, keep that in mind, this, you know, sometimes they don't understand that. Secondly, that's why there are scholars today who don't believe that the murtad, the apostate, is to be killed. They're like, this was a very... Um, conditional aspect, special circumstances during the time of the Prophet, it was a deterrent. The Prophet just wanted to deter them. Assuming that we do have, you know, the law of killing the apostate, it was just to deter them. So whoever wants to join Islam, they come to join out of their complete, you know, be, being convinced that, that Islam is the right religion. But for you to come and take advantage of this and then leave Islam and cause havoc in society, that was not accepted. So it was actually a deterrent. So in our modern times, most scholars are of the opinion that this doesn't apply. Yes, brother. See, those scholars who believe we don't kill the apostate, their argument is the Quran doesn't mention it because it's not the law of God. It's very clear. This was something that was instituted by the caliphs who came after the Prophet. Have you heard of Hurub al-Ridda? Basically Abu Bakr, anyone who didn't recognize his caliphate and wanted to follow Imam Ali, like Malik ibn Nuwayra when he wanted to give the zakat to Imam Ali, he told him why not give it to me? He's like, you're not the Khalifa. When I came to the Prophet, I told him, Ya Rasulullah, I'm giving you my zakat now, but if, I, if, but if one day I come to Medina, you're not here, you pass away, who do I give it to? He said, give it to Ali. 
in order to justify killing Malik ibn Nuwayra, because Abu Bakr sends Khalid ibn al-Walid, he doesn't go and negotiate with Malik, they go, Malik was armed, he knew danger was there, he didn't trust Khalid, the time for Salah came, Malik told Khalid, you pray with your group and I'll lead my own group, Khalid said, no, haram, let's have one Salah, we'll pray behind you, he's like, okay, let's pray and then we'll negotiate, Malik says, Allahu Akbar, his now companions are praying, so they put their um, weapons down, Khalid gets up with his group and they kill Malik in Salah, in Salah they assassinate him, they cut his head, they sever his head, Malik also was known to have a very beautiful wife, you know what Khalid does? Sunnis have a lot of respect for Khalid, they consider him the sword of Allah, Khalid goes into the tent of his wife, seconds after killing and severing the head of her husband Malik, he rapes her, he rapes the wife of Malik ibn Nuwayra, then they take his head and they burn his head, his head doesn't burn, his head doesn't burn, one Sunni scholar he finds this a little bit troubling because this shows that Khalid was doing wrong and it was a miracle for Malik, you know from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know what he comments, comments here? comments here, he says, oh yeah, and Malik was, was, had a lot of hair, his hair was long, so his head didn't burn, <laughs> can you believe that? Have you seen the hair when it gets close to fire, it just evaporates, subhanallah, how can hair protect your head from getting burned? But they just want to put that virtue away, so Khalid goes back to Abu Bakr and you know the incident is narrated to Abu Bakr, Omar wants to punish Khalid, He's like, you killed and you raped his wife, you should be punished. Abu Bakr said, no, 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 no. he's the sword of Allah, let him do what he wants, because he was supporting the political state. So these wars that the people of Abu Bakr waged after the Prophet, they're called Hurub al-Ridda, the wars of apostasy. How did Abu Bakr justify killing Malik? He's like, oh yeah, Malik was an apostate, he left Islam. He exited the religion of Islam, why? He's not paying zakat, so he doesn't believe in zakat, so he doesn't believe in God. See the, the idea? So a lot of scholars are of the opinion that you know this whole idea of killing the apostate was instituted by the states after the Prophet, otherwise in the Prophet's time we don't see him killing an apostate. See, this sounds like a good cop, bad cop scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Omar usually in history is more stringent than Abu Bakr, somehow in this case he's the angel, it don't make sense. Well, whatever his motives were, whatever his intentions were, Abu Bakr refused to punish Khalid and he sanctioned what he did and he approved of what he did. And, and history has mar has documented this. Possibly, possibly, but it was definitely a crime. So this is the discussion on apostasy. Any other final points? Yes. So when you say small camp, big camp, the small camp is the Shia, the Jafri? Yeah, I'm talking about the Shia scholars. See, some Shia scholars deny that we even have a law that to kill the apostate for the reasons we mentioned. The other group of scholars are like, no, it's in our hadith, but it has a special context and it has special conditions for it to be executed, you don't just go and kill the apostate, there are conditions that must be fulfilled in order for the apostate to be killed. But yes, you know, the, 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 the bigger group of scholars, like it's in our hadith, it's sahih hadith, and 
We don't deny the hadith. The Quran, the Quran doesn't talk about killing the apostate because the Quran doesn't give us specific rulings. The Quran says pray, but it doesn't say how you pray, you get that from hadith. So this is their argument. But yes, most scholars, Shia scholars throughout history, Sunnis do believe in killing the apostate, it's in their books. But Shia scholars, most of them also do believe in the idea of killing the apostate if the conditions are fulfilled. And then some group of scholars today are just denying it altogether. They're like, you know what, when we examine the Quran and the tone of the Quran and the history of the Prophet, we see that there is no such thing, you know, to kill the apostate. And maybe if some hadiths were mentioned at the time, they were just to deter the people, you know, just to scare them. But otherwise it wasn't meant for it to be implemented.